Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the second episode of the Barstoolers Premier League podcast. In the second episode of the show, we'll be reviewing all the action from the first round of games, including Liverpool's seven-goal thriller with Leeds, Frank Lampard's new luck Chelsea, and Tottenham's dreadful performance at home to Everton. We'll also be discussing any transfer news and looking ahead to the second round of Premier League fixtures, including Manchester City's first game of the season away to Wolves, Manchester United's first game of the season at home to Crystal Palace, and the headline match of the weekend as Chelsea take on Liverpool. We hope you enjoy the show. Right, lads, episode two. It's good to have the Premier League back, isn't it? Remarkable. Yeah. So, Been waiting for uh, the Barclays for a while now. Absolutely, yeah. It's just good to have something to watch on a Saturday or Sunday. It's watched too much on Netflix at this stage. I think I've completed it. So actually good to have some, <laughs> some genuine talking points. Uh, I'm sure was, our uh, new, new host, Ronan, needs an introduction there. The main yes. man on the podcast yes, was missing last absolutely. week. He was missing in action, but this week we've brought him in. He's an impact sub. He's like a new sign. Well, he is a new sign. He hasn't been on the pod yet. I'm like, uh, I'm like Giroud off the bench for Arsenal, just ready to go yeah. in and get the goals. Yeah, so there's no Michael this week. He will return next week. But, Ronan, do you want to introduce yourself? Say who you support, etc.? Yeah, I'm Ronan. I support Liverpool, so at least we've still got two Liverpool fans on the podcast. <laughs> Good yeah, no. still outnumbered. It's good yeah. we're promoting that Premier League diversity. There is going to be a week where I'm not on here and it may as well just be a Liverpool podcast rather than a Premier League mm-hmm. one. But uh, until then, we have a little bit of, you know, a couple of different perspectives. So it was a good first weekend of matches, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Like we haven't had much of a gap between this coronavirus two weeks. So good turnaround and uh, good to see the, the levels are still very competitive and I really enjoyed it, you know. Yeah, I, yeah think that, um, I think no preseason has affected a few clubs. Like I know some of the clubs look a little bit their fitness wasn't quite up to scratch as what they normally would be at the start of the season, but yeah, that's been good to have it back. That was one thing I kind of expected. Do you remember after the restart, a load of matches were nil nil at half time? I thought it would kind of be the same. And I don't think it really was. Um there was a fair few goals in a lot of games. So a little bit better, but it, it is preseason for most teams. You know, for example, United are playing this week. We've only played one friendly against Villa. So, Palace, that's going to be our second match. We have had no preseason, 
and most teams have had about two matches probably at most before uh, the first match. So, yeah. So, the match of the week, it was basically the match of the week in last week's podcast. We expected it to be brilliant, but it probably exceeded any expectations was Liverpool Absolutely. and Leeds. Uh, brilliant match. Uh, James, Ronan, as Liverpool fans, I suppose you can take it away to begin with. Say any thoughts you had in the game? Yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. I have to say Salah's going to be a standout for anyone observing the game. Like, got the hat-trick in. There's a few non-starters in the team for us. Um, for example, Trent uh, got outclassed by the like of Harrison and Van Dijk got a bit exposed at times, but that's just the uh, fitness concerns and things starting the season. It does feel a bit pre-season. You're, you're dead right. But yeah, to be happy with a, a win, like you have to be happy to win against Leeds. Like a lot of fans were taking this to heart, conceded three goals, Premier League champions. It happens. It's Leeds, Bielsa football. This, this man's a mastermind. You just kind of have to expect Leeds to get some uh, good results during the season. So I wouldn't take too much into conceding three goals opening day. Yeah, I kind of be the same, you know, but I think I think Liverpool's attacking football is still definitely there. I mean, like Salah scoring three. I know we got two penalties, but both penalties I know there was some debate about the first one. I thought his hand was a bit high up. I can see why it was given. I can see why someone would be annoyed that it wasn't given. Um yeah. but the set the second one was a stonewall penalty, I thought. But again, like we the attacking football was great. We got caught a few times in the counter. Uh but defensively I wouldn't be too worried as a Liverpool fan. I know what Bon Lahore during the week was given out saying that Van Dijk was being too arrogant at the back. I know he made a mistake for the Bamford goal, but I, d- I don't think he'd say he was too arrogant. Maybe he was a bit overconfident, but first game of the season. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I'd go- I'd- I'd- yeah sorry, James. Sorry, there was a similar incident though with the first penalty though. I didn't think it was quite harsh because uh, Newcastle had a similar incident, didn't they? They appealed and they didn't get it. So it's just one of those, it's a toss-up. Yeah, in terms of the penalties, uh, the second one was an absolute stonewall, absolute absolutely zero debate. striker in the box situation. So, yeah, so stupid. Actually, I have an edit, a note. I was taking notes during the game, so I was prepared for this podcast. This is the professionalism of this podcast. But uh, I just have a note saying Rodrigo, uh, idiot, <laughs> absolute idiot. What was he trying to do in the eighty seventh minute, eighty eighth minute? What is he trying to do? And then the first penalty. It is a penalty. Yeah, his hand was way out. Definitely a penalty. Yeah, to me. it was. It was. But in terms of Liverpool looking shaky at the back, I don't know if I completely agree. I think it's a little bit exaggerated. It's like, oh, Liverpool conceded three goals. I don't know. Like, I'm pretty sure Leeds had three shots on target, and obviously they Van Dijk did, yeah. did make an error. But it was a little bit of a strange ball played over by I think it was Stuart Dallas. There was a similar ball in the Dundalk game that shells played they played a long ball and just the way it dropped between the keeper and the defender they didn't really know where to go and it was exactly the same with that Patrick Bamford goal so I have a little bit of sympathy for Van Dijk but it, it is a mistake and then the yeah I think you're just goal, a little yes yeah, I think you're just a bit blindsided I think it was just a bit, I just I think just didn't see Bamford in his peripheral I thought you just thought Robertson was to his left that you just give it out to him it was just an awkward ball to deal with in general I thought um, it was a bit, yeah, and it was a bit of lack of communication, and it happens at the top level. It does it happens at any yeah. level, you know. So I thought Leeds were very shaky at the back. Um, oh, initially I thought it could have been a yeah. drubbing. Yeah. Oh my god. I think I think they might struggle defensively this season, but going forward they look they look, look really good. They look so well drilled. Like I, that man, that cock fella. I know his name was dropped quite a few times in the game. He mm. doesn't look like the full shell. And like six foot four, he just looked unsure as anyone on the pitch. Yeah, again, Crazy. I have a note saying cock. 
shocking. This was very early days, but he was shaky. Yeah, a baptism of fire for him, though, going to Anfield. Oh, big time. But he's a German international. I thought he would have been a bit better, but time will tell. In terms of the stats, Liverpool had six shots on target to three. And that's what I mean. Leeds had three shots on target and they scored three goals. And then uh, in terms of an XG for the XG nerds, Liverpool had 1.5, but that's excluding the penalties. So it's really 3.5. Leeds was 0.6. So I think there's been a massive overreaction to Liverpool's performance in this game. I thought it was a closer game than it should have been. Yeah, and Leeds edged out the possession stat as well, 52 to 48. Yeah. So, like, that's yeah. that's something to consider. It's Bielsa. He's no mug. Like, think of what they'll do with a bit of extra recruitment because they need a centre-half. They need three three more players and they're far more competitive. Like, I think a fairer reflection of that game probably would have been, like, 3-1 Liverpool or something like that. Like, it, it wasn't as bad. That was my prediction, 3-1. Yeah, yeah. And I probably should have played out that way. Do you have any thoughts on Calvin Phillips? I thought he was absolutely brilliant anchoring the midfield yeah, for Leeds. Yeah, looks good. But I do, the only thing I will say is the Calvin Phillips goal, him cutting in from the left and shooting his right. Liverpool have been done with that a few times recently. I know they've done with that in the community shield as well. Yeah, definitely defenders could have done better there. That was the one goal I could fault him on, definitely. It's just Calvin Phillips' range of passing was unbelievable. He was... Uh, it was more of like a defensive midfielder in sort of the Pirlo sort of character role rather than anyone trying to break up the play. He was um, he was like a quarterback just spraying balls over the top of Liverpool's defence. Yeah, he's very he's a very unsung hero. Like, you know, I think Harrison and the like uh, Klitsch and uh, even Bamford and uh, Rodrigo are going to get a lot of the plaudits because they're finishing the end of these spraying balls, you know, which is fair enough, but it's all about the unsung heroes in the midfield. The, uh, Matthias Click, who scored that goal, he took quite well. I thought he played very, very well. He looks like a very intelligent player. Um, I'd be looking forward to watching him some more. Um, and then for the Van Dyke second goal, that's one I have written down. I thought that was very harsh. I think that easily could have been another goal. Do you Which, think it was a foul? The uh, the build up to the corner was it for Van Dyke's no, goal? I, th- or? I think Cur- Curtis Jones was penalised in the box. I think for pushing, oh yes, I yes. thought that was harsh. It was harsh, but um, sure, look, I think Jones knew what he was doing in that instance. You know, it was a bit of the dark arts, as Mourinho would like to say. I do think, I think it was fair enough. He, d- he did know what he was doing, but at the same time, you need to be stronger maybe in the box is an argument you can make when you're defending your own box. But I thought, yeah, I thought it was very, I thought it was weak. I didn't think it was a foul at all. So I think Liverpool can count themselves unlucky, but at the end of the day, they did win the game. Uh, with a Mohamed Salah hat-trick, which was quite kind for my fancy football, because I captained him. Did you? Yeah. No, I should have. I should have. I was raging with myself that I didn't, honestly. Ronan, do you have Salah in your team? I don't have a normal team this season. You don't have a normal team? It's always one of those. No, I just couldn't have been bothered. Wow. Nah, fair enough. Quit while you're ahead, I suppose. It's always week two. You can still win. Yeah. Then we'll talk briefly about Fulham Arsenal. Um, obviously, I thought William was fantastic. He got three assists. Another one for me, fantasy. Two um, assists officially. Three in FBL, I think. Oh, that's yeah, that is actually true. Yeah, but still, yeah, he, he did seem to play well. Um, what's any thoughts on Fulham? Oh, I think oh. Scott Parker. They are just destined to go down. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, can't believe they're in the Premier League. I just yeah, absolutely got that they lost to Brent. No, Brentford lost to Fulham. Um, my only thought is like that. You just have Sorry, a real like, lack of quality. That is true. Like the like of Kamara, like quick to make the Niles mistakes. The only thing you could point at, like, and they couldn't even capitalize on that. Leno came out and saved their bacon. Like it could have been a different game had Arsenal went one 0 down there. You know, so um, 
this is it. Like, but it wasn't. It was a different story at the end of the day. I know they've got the new goalkeeper coming in, Ariola, but like the defense just didn't look. It just looked shaky as hell. Like, especially like, they should have shored up defensively. They should have got more centre halves. They like, should have played Michael Hector in the Premier League, and like he's not bad, but I, I wouldn't be playing Premier League. There's a reason he's gone to Chelsea and been loaned out since he went there. He moved to Chelsea when he was like 24 or something like that. It was a bit of a strange one. But um, yeah, so Gabriel scored in his debut. Uh, he looked to have a pretty good performance, but I really don't know how much to read into that Arsenal performance because as we touched on, I think we all predicted that Fulham would get relegated and they just look absolutely hopeless. Yeah, very kind opening two fixtures Arsenal have. Yeah, I, I've the Fulham had two shots. Arsenal had seven, but if you look at the XG, Arsenal had 1.9, Fulham had 0.1, and it's not a surprise. They absolutely offered no threat, not great in midfield, look shaky in defence, not a good team. The only thing I will say, I, was, I, was, I know it's only against Fulham, but I was surprised by just how, how much better Arsenal looked playing football under Arteta to Emery. Like it's, it's kind of like when Klopp first came into Liverpool, I know they didn't do great when he first came in, but they do look more of a unit. They do seem to be playing better football, better passing football. I was surprised even by Xhaka. And again, I know it was only Fulham, but Xhaka's passing looked way better than it has the last few seasons. Yeah, and Mohamed Elneny starting a game in 2020 for Arsenal. Like the man, Arteta is visionary. Like this is, it was such a defensive looking team on paper as well. Tierney is right aside and centre back. Like, but you know, yeah, got the job done. I had no idea Elneny was still playing with them. I thought he got like sold to Galatasaray or something like that, you know? Um, absolutely shocked. But yeah, no, Arsenal definitely are making improvements under Mikel Arteta, without a doubt. Another team in North London who are absolutely not making improvements under a recently appointed manager is Tottenham. Uh, so we're going to talk about Tottenham-Everton. This is a game that I really, really enjoyed. It obviously only ended up being 1-0 Everton, but... Yeah, uh, Everton completely outplayed them at home. It's not great luck for Tottenham, is it? Yeah, I only saw the first half, but even the first half, I know Spurs had one or two chances, but Everton, when they did get forward, were, were making the better chances. I know Richardson had that awful setter that he missed. Probably should have pulled it back with DCL, but they just, I think, I think it's the midfield, there's no creativity in Spurs midfield at the minute. No, and what, what little creativity he had in, in Adley, he brought on Musa for, which he is not a like for like, you know. And at that point, you don't go for like for like your everyone at home. They haven't won a uh, game away against top six in seven years. You have to go for more firepower up top, and there's just nothing there on the bench. Like the Chelsea, where is he? What was it? How much does he cost them? Like over 20, 30 million, something like that. Option to buy. Well, they haven't bought him yet, but it's they have. It's insane. Yeah. Or have they? Yeah. Yeah, I was surprised by that because it was, I think it was in like January or something and he wasn't really getting the game or he was like, I don't think he got a single goal last year in the Premier League. Um, and then the sign apparently, not really caught me out by surprise. And then Stephen Bergwijn as well, like, you know, Stevie, will he kick on? It's just, apart from Son and Kane, like they're two nailed on world-class starters. They do need something else to add to that um, trio. They have struggled up front. I think, since Ericsson left. Like, they really missed that creative midfielder in there. And Lachelles doesn't offer that. And they haven't signed anyone to replace Ericsson. Maybe Mourinho thought Lachelles could do that. But they brought in Bargwin and they brought in Jensen Fernandez. They're both wingers. And they're, they're not... Like Kane doesn't look anywhere near as threatening without 
Ericsson set pieces. Yeah, no, Spurs' entire tactics at the minute, and I really, really enjoy this game almost more than I did the Liverpool game, just because I thought there were some bizarre choices, some really interesting, interesting storylines. Yeah, yeah, like you were on about Ali going off as Zoko. I wouldn't mind that in circumstances, but this is the my very first note on this match is Winks Heiberg pivot. Really strange, absolutely zero creativity between them. They're two hard workers. They're okay with the ball. But then you need someone more creative. And then you bring off Ali for Suzuko. Absolutely bizarre. It should come with yeah, no surprise. I love Hoiberg having a clash with someone. Like he's a proper DM, a bit of a shithouse. And uh, <laughs> he sees the ref giving the negative reaction. And then he just screams out as if he's in pain theatrics. Like it's, it's horrible to watch when you see that. But I, I was impressed by Doherty's role this game though. Like he could have scored and changed the game. I was expecting yeah. him to be a lot more negative first game. Like he was really pushing up like Aurier last season. Nearly yeah. a right winger job. I know the commentator kind of pointed out on Sky Sports when I was watching it. The only thing with Doherty is he was still kind of playing like he was playing in the back five as a wing back when he was playing at yeah. back four as a full back. Like he left a lot of space out in the right. I know, especially when Richardson got that chance in the first half, Spurs got caught out there particularly because he was so far up the pitch. He's not really yeah, doing his yeah. defense. He didn't really do his but defense too as much. You think, though, with the winks and the midfield pivot dynamic to have, I think there should be enough to reinforce the back line when someone like Doherty bombs up like at home, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, and especially with Doherty, uh, you know, being so high up the field, I, I wouldn't mind that if you had, a, like, a really quick centre-back on that right-hand side of the fence. But you have Toby Alderweireld, who is so... Uh, he's absolutely finished. United were very strongly linked a couple of years ago. And I obviously I wanted him at the time. I think he was 27 or something. I'm so glad that we did not sign him now because he, he locks a shadow from for himself. Um, yeah. And of course, like he had Jan beside him and they had like a telepathic relationship. And obviously both of them are aging significantly. I think he's what, like going on 31 and Jan's going on 34. So had to be broken up at some stage. It looks like the end is now for both of them. Were you impressed by... The Everton new boys, you had Alan in the midfield, James, uh, Decoury beside Alan. I think Decoury is a good signing. I, I always thought he was a bit too good for Watford. I was surprised he didn't get a move to a bigger club more recently and not that Everton are that big of a club to step up from Watford. I think he's better than Everton, but... Yeah, I, I thought Alan yeah. beside him was brilliant. I thought he absolutely I... controlled that midfield. He's a bit of everything. He's a tough tackler, but he can control the midfield in terms of passing as well. He dictates the play... Brilliant. Yeah, I think he could have like that initial Torreira under Emery impact that Everton like just all the spotlights on him. Like he looks like the fix of all their midfield problems. And I think uh, James coming in was brilliant because it uh, sheltered Allen and Decore and allowed them to just have the pressure off them and they could just work away by themselves and just do what they do best, you know. And I don't think James covered himself in glory. He looked tidy, but I you can't read too much into that. Like. Yeah, I thought there was a bit of an overreaction to his display because it's clear he's a brilliant technical footballer. I don't think he affected the game as much as he could have. He's just so nice to watch in the ball. And he, he did nearly score a goal. He uh, had an in-swinging shot just go past the post. So I definitely thought it was a good performance by him. But there's, there's definitely more to come. So then, you know, Matt Doherty, we touched him briefly, but he had a brilliant chance. Um, I didn't think it was the best debut from him. He looked a little bit unsure of what he was doing no. at times, but that's that's to be expected because he only signed was it like ten days ago, and then he was trained yeah. in Ireland, so, so there was like, very little. Yeah, 
there's no turnaround and you're looking at a Mourinho team that's searching for an identity at the minute that needs a left back. Like Davies obviously has come out criticizing the manager today, I believe, uh, Jose, about the lack of fitness and yada yada from the players back and forth. But it's a bit unfair. You, you can see Jose already lumping blame on the players' first game of the season. So this, this does not bode for, well for him in the long term. And he could be probably his odds on out the top managers to get sacked uh, this season. One thing we actually haven't talked about from this game uh, was the one goal, uh, believe it or not, but absolutely brilliant goal. Unbelievable cross from Dinier from the free kick and an unbelievable header from Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Absolutely, absolutely terroring header right into the top corner. I love DCL as a player. I think he has it all. He can. He's good at shooting. Obviously, he's clearly good at heading. Uh, he's good hold-up play. He'll run the channels for you. I absolutely love Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Yeah, the only questionable thing about DCL is he's uh, given up the fade for a cheeky man bun, but everything else is on his technical ability. You can't fault him, and of course, Dinier is like the only Everton defender that I think you can't label any blame on. Like those deliveries from set pieces, like he was chalk and cheese with Son, Son on set pieces. I know Gary Neville was mm-hmm. at his wits end with him. It was brutal to watch, and he is a quality player, obviously. But uh, yeah, Dinier, fantastic as well. And then you're looking at the possession stats and all the relevant stats was. Actually quite surprising, uh, 52% to Tottenham, obviously 48 to Everton. Tottenham actually had one more shot on target. It must have been from long shots or something like that, because I watched the entire game and I don't remember being like, oh, Tottenham on top here. It just wasn't the case. And then Everton had a slightly better XG. But the stats, you know, I don't think they really tell the truth in terms of the eye test. I suppose they quite literally tell the truth, but it really <laughs> seemed like a comfortable win for Everton. The stats were a little bit surprising, I thought. Okay, so moving on to the last game we're going to preview, uh, Brighton against Chelsea. Obviously, it ended up 3-1 Chelsea, as I'm sure you know if you're listening to this podcast, you like your football, I'm, I'm sure. But the standout performer for me was Tariq Lamptey for Brighton. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I thought the exact same thing myself. Uh, defensively, he looked solid enough. I know you can see three goals, but he looked like he knew what he was doing back there. And then even going forward, he looked like Brighton's most creative player. I know we set up the goal for Trossard, which... I know it was just a pass out into the midfield, but he put in a few crosses that looked dangerous. Um, I think he put in the cross for Duffy as well when he missed, which was a sitter that he should have scored two one down. But he just he looks good enough to be in the Premier League. He looks. Yeah, he what looks, was he? Was he three million or something? Ludicrous. Three million, yeah, from Chelsea. Yeah. Fabulous boy. I remember watching him against Leicester. I think it was the second game after the restart, and he was absolutely brilliant that day. Then I seen him again, and he was really good. And I was like, this guy, this guy's good. Uh, so I was in on that train very early. So um, just just saying, you know, follow me and you will learn the game. Uh, I thought he's absolutely brilliant. Uh, ben White made his debut back there. I have no or, real yeah. comments on him. He only he only like I think he didn't miss a minute when he started for Leeds last season, and he was taken off on the in the seventy eight minute, which was uh, no fault of his own. Was he at fault for the? Or was it him or Webster that it like uh, came off for Zuma's goal? Webster, I think. Webster, yeah. Well, that was very very unfortunate. But I think, didn't think. He covered himself in glory to do it wrong. I think fine debut and a brilliant backline that uh, Brighton have. My only worry for them is going forward. I don't think they have the firepower. I think Mupai could be a massive flop this season. Do you know? Um, yeah, he, he's got something about him, but if you're reliant on him for goals to stay up, I'd be a little bit worried. Yeah, you need, you're relying on Aaron Connolly to come good, which there's going to be no guarantee of. Yeah, yeah I still think Connolly was brilliant when he came on. He made a bit of an impact at the start just because he's... he's so quick, uh, but not a great performance. 
noticed the bleach blonde hair is gone. He's gone back to a slightly more normal haircut as well. Um, we'll say up until the Chelsea second goal, Brighton was a better team in the game. Once Chelsea got ahead 2-1, they were the better team. But Brighton really took the game to Chelsea for the first 55 minutes or so. I thought Kepa again was just awful for the Trossard goal. Yeah, I'd argue that Brighton were the better team overall. Uh, I don't have the stats here. Sorry, I've I've come ill-prepared for this game. But I think they were definitely the better team. Chelsea looked not great, like 3-1. I was actually listening to the radio coming out. It's like Chelsea won 3-1 last night, but um, it's not quite as... It was a bit flattering to them and 100% agreement. I thought they were quite good. Uh, so the penalty incidents, Timo Werner uh, latched on to a pass after a mistake in the Brighton midfield. Matt Ryan just took him out. Absolutely no debate. It's a penalty, but I just thought Matt Ryan... Matt silly, Ryan silly did, Yeah. Matt Ryan had a bit of a nightmare today. I have to say he was a bit unsure in uh, some situations, but he's quite a good um, player. But I have to say, like, Werner was putting himself about and I was so annoyed by that Chelsea midfield. Um, just the passes being put into him. He just needs better quality. He needs um, people to be on form. Like, uh, they need Ziyech back. They need these ballers in the team because there's too many, um, for the want of a better word, bums in that Chelsea squad. Like Alonso, you need Silva back. You need all that defence firing because I wasn't convinced by that lineup he put out last night at all. Love this cheek is a posh boy's Lingard. He's the exact same. Like they're a similar age and they've both done nothing like. Yeah, yeah literally I, I, my mind blanked there. I was Love this cheek was who was a reaching for there. Like his pass came exactly to mind. There was another chance for Werner. He just slided in. A few regards. Play it through easy. The pace he puts on, he's just completely wrong. It's just he was frustrating to watch, I have to say. Even Jorginho. I quite like Jorginho, but he was basically surplus to requirements at the end of last season. And then he started the first game of this season. A little bit strange. I think he's quite good. Obviously, scored the penalty. Like, they'd be, they'd be mental to keep him and get rid of Kante. I know Gary Neville was talking before the game saying that Jorginho was instrumental to how they play as well. I wouldn't quite agree. I'd much rather uh, keep Kante. But I, I think he's, to be fair, the one thing about him, he's got 21 career penalties and, uh, at the top level and he scored all 21. So Yeah, no, he doesn't miss with the wee hop and a skip, just like Bruno does. But, doesn't um, miss, but they're horrible to watch those penalties. I hate oh, them. I, I, I like them. I like the way you're rolling in. I think they're good. Yeah, but the record Personal backs them up, so I think you're safe enough watching them. I prefer the um, Salah. No technique, just hit it. Same with Jamie Vardy. Troy Deeney. Absolutely smashed it down the middle. Brilliant. Um, one debut, which I thought was quite bad. Uh, you can't obviously read into it too much just from one performance, but I thought Kai Havertz was really poor. He played on the right-hand side, so... He was out of position, but... He's not really a winger, is he? He, he offered nothing. But in the first yeah. match, he could be brilliant. Yeah, he was doing the classic Sanchez from a few years ago, Swansea pass into the scoreboard. Like, he was... He <laughs> yes. had a nightmare, God love him like this. But sure. Look, he's, he's a proper baller out of those uh, three big attackers that brought in. He's the one tipped to gel to the Premier League straight away. And it would be hilarious if he was the one that flopped this season. He looks yeah. malnourished. He does, doesn't he? he lo- he's way too skinny. He's absolutely way yeah. too skinny. Scary to look at. Uh, Honestly. One thing I'd say about Werner, obviously he won the penalty, but that it was one of them ones where you knew it was going to be a penalty three seconds before anything happened. You just knew Matt Ryan had to come out and he was never getting that ball. But I wasn't very impressed with Werner either. It just He, he goes with a sort of head-down approach and he takes ages to load up a shot. I don't know if that's a weird complaint and- to make about him, but... His I, I'm not convinced. 
Yeah, he keeps drifting into the left channel like all the time. Like sometimes you won't even find him as an out and out striker. He's looking to slide in someone there that'll make the diagonal run through the middle. And it's it's weird to watch him keep going out to the left. That's just what he does. And they knew that when he bought him. I mean, he got 28 goals last season in the Bundesliga. So yeah, I'm sure I think it'll come why, off. I think that's why he would have suited Liverpool. Like Firmino kind of does that as, as well. Like he doesn't play straight through the middle. He kind of comes out wide and tries to get across into the box while the other two Salah Mane get into the box as well. I don't know if that suits Chelsea's style. They kind of suit more of an out-and-out striker who just kind of stays down the middle and is always kind of in there to get on the end of chances. Yeah, they did reasonably well last year with Tammy Abraham and Giroud and that's exactly the type of striker you're on about there. Yeah, that, but they are, that's like a... Tammy gave them like very clutch goals. Like he won't be able to replicate that probably because he needed a lot of game time and it was an experimental season and that... I have to say that season they got they got off so easy in the press just because the English boys they were playing and like they've gone back to their old selves now just a load of foreign players splash the cash there's going to be no sign of English lads in that team other than Chilwell Frank Lampard actually said I couldn't believe this was a real quote he actually said we don't want to become an academy club it was something along those lines it's like what every club should aspire to be that look yeah if you and- say you can have success with no academy players or you can be absolutely terrible with academy players. You know which one I'm going to pick, but you should at least try. Yeah, and this is the academy club. This, this is a club that stockpiles talent from London and elsewhere and just potentially hampers the growth of players and uh, starves the market young players and just looks to uh, cut them and sell them on at a higher fee later on. Like They have the academy business destroyed in England a lot of people would argue so you think that you're going to get more return from that you know so, yeah. like when I said Werner he takes ages to load up a shot what, what I kind of meant by that is when he's set through on goal and has half a chance I never really have faith in him scoring because I always think the defender is going to catch up with him he kind of looks down he's not really looking at where the keeper is but look he could end up scoring 30 goals a season what do I know but yeah, absolutely. And he, he came out like yesterday and said that he was uh, surprised by the physicality of the Brighton defenders. And fair enough, Brighton of the lower teams, apart from like Burnley with Tarkowski and that, like they are the peak. They are the pinnacle of like defense you're going to come up against in that end of the table. So maybe he'll have better luck against a weaker defense, you know, down the road. But um, I, haven't, I don't know. I haven't said that. Like, I think Brighton are quite an easy team to play through because they play some nice football. If you come up against a Burnley, like James Tarkowski, Ben, me and the boys, they're going to absolutely batter him. They're going to eat you up. Yeah, exactly. Like, so, But he, he can't be... Um, like sort of uh, he had to see the physicality of the Premier League before he came there he's just he's not naive he's just playing it off his bad performance or whatever yeah, so all around a very good opening round of fixtures I thought it's good to have it back um, if we're looking at any transfer activity that's happened it's actually been a little bit quiet in terms of done deals uh, Batshuayi went on loan to Palace I think that's definitely a good signing he's certainly better than Christian Menteke he went there before. I think he did quite well, and I think he'll he did add, quite well. Yeah, I think he'll add another element to their attack. A needed element as well as Zaha is not going to push on this season. You know they do. They need something like you know Townsend Zaha. They could be in trouble potentially. Oh, like that was very flattering. Yeah, that is that was a very flattering scoreline. Like 27 percent possession the last game. Southampton had serious uh, chances. Quite Giata uh, bailing them out. Like you know it's. Don't know. Not sure about Palace. Yeah, Ariola. He's went on loan to Fulham, uh, the former PSG goalkeeper. So could be good. Still don't think they'll stay up. Uh, a huge one actually was Ollie Watkins to Aston Villa for twenty-eight million, rising to thirty-three. Crazy fee for a club that 
you know, is going to be down there. But do you think his goals are going to be enough to keep him up? He stays fish. They've signed, they've signed three strikers now in the last 12 months and none of them have stayed fish. Yeah, and reports linking them to Brewster as well to bolster that attack. Like, where are they going to fit in all these strikers? I think I saw something today that uh, Sheffield are closing in on the loan deal for Brewster. That would be massive. I have to say. Ollie Watkins, he's, I actually think he's a very good sign and very expensive, mind you. 28 million rising to 33. But if he does fulfill those, uh, you know, performance and uh, related add-ons, then they won't be complaining because they'll be staying on. No, they won't. Because the the end game for Villa is staying in the Premier League, which is a shame for a club the size of Villa. But at the end of the day, they were quite poor last year and their spending was poor as well. So they need to... But like Odkin, uh, Watkins isn't guaranteed to stick. Like, look at Shea Adams last season. What, 25 goals in the championship? And he's only coming good now. And Villa do not have a season. They do not have a season to just hope he comes good the season after. I think Watkins does really suit them, though, because he's a really physical striker. He scored loads of headers for Brentford last season and on his debut albeit in a friendly game he did actually score a header against United um, so I think he's he's very good sign for them I'm looking forward to watching you just be worried about Villa defensively trying to stay up I know Mings is decent but the keepers aren't great like Pepe Reina has passed it now uh, I think he's gone back to Lazio or he's gone has to he? Lazio he? has he? Has yeah he? I know the Villa are signing uh, Emiliano Martinez from Arsenal that's basically a done deal yeah, still not great. Like yeah, yeah. I, I thought they'd go for someone better than Nash. Um, they were linked to Romero. I would have been all right again. Still not brilliant though. No, but it, it's Villa at the end of the day. Yeah. Like we have to caveat it with that. You know, they're not the club they used to be. And if he, if Martinez, Romero, like that's probably the level they can get, especially in this market. Like it's hard to go shopping further afield at the minute. But yeah, defensively they look poor. Going forward, Grealish is Grealish is proving that he's good enough for the Premier League. I think John McGinn's good as a box-to-box midfielder. It's just whether Ollie Watkins can score from this season. I mean, they struggled last year, but Wesley didn't really score much when he was playing. Samata didn't do much when he came into the side. So Yeah, exactly. Like It was all going to Grealish last year, and if Ollie Watkins can stick, it's going to take the pressure off Grealish. Everyone's not going to be looking to Grealish as the only outlet for the attack. So it can only be a positive thing if Ollie Watkins stays fit and bags some goals, you know? So obviously, we briefly touched upon De Kure going into Everton, so I don't think we need to discuss that. And uh, Edward Mendy looks set to go to Chelsea. That's basically a done deal. I have absolutely no clue about him, but he's a goalkeeper that isn't named Kepa Aretha Balaga, so that's an improvement, has to be. The only way is up, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And then Regulon's been linked to United, but you know, far from a done deal. Is there any update on Thiago? Um, at this stage it's not looking good it's not good FSG are playing hard money ball I I seen Romano said that Liverpool want to kind of wait to the last week of the window so in the hope that Bayern just hope a cheaper offer yeah and Bayern's president coming out like you literally what you're touching on there saying oh Liverpool's business the way they do business is just disgust me a man that uh was convicted of tax evasion for like over three and a half years and they're bagging Sané doing exactly the same thing like or not exactly the same thing yeah running the contract down and getting them at a cheaper price that's by that's buying all over like yeah so it uh, doesn't well, well we'll see where he goes up I don't think there's really any update from the United side of things I think we've been in touch with agents but whether we'd be willing to pay that fee either I'm not sure and if both Liverpool and United get a bit accepted He's probably going to go to Liverpool. You couldn't really blame him yeah, at the minute. Let's be honest. You know, yeah. In the twilight of his career, like, you know, Liverpool are good now. So I don't know if he can really risk going to United at 29, 30. Because, yeah, you know, he'll definitely have success if he goes to Liverpool. Do you know what I mean? 
So then going into the predictions. So last week, uh, James predicted 4-0 uh, to Arsenal. Very close, but only one point. He predicted 1-0 to Liverpool. Not that close, but same <laughs> margin of victory. So that's two points. He predicted that Spurs would beat Everton 3-2. So no points there. He predicted that Chelsea would beat Brighton 2-1. Close, but just another point. And he said Wolves uh, would beat uh, Sheffield United 5-2. And it was 2-0. So he gets four points. Oh, that uh, last one was on. I'm sorry. Once they bagged those two, I thought that, that <laughs> game was on. That was going to be it. Yeah. In terms of my predictions, I said 1-0 Arsenal, so one point. I said 1-1 with Liverpool Leeds, no points there. I said Spurs would beat Everton, so no. I said Brighton would beat Chelsea, no. And I said Blades-Wolves would be a draw, so only one point for me. Uh, Mixer said that Arsenal would beat Fulham 2-0, so one point. He said Liverpool would beat Leeds 3-1, so uh, just one point there. He said Spurs-Everton draw, so zero points. He said Brighton uh, Chelsea would beat Brighton 3-0. So close enough there, one point. And he said Wolves would beat Blades uh, 1-0. So fairly close. He's on four points. I'm on one. And then Ronan, just looking at yours, you said 2-0 Arsenal, so one point. Uh, 3-1 Liverpool, two points. Draw with Spurs and Everton, two point, uh, no points there. Sheffield United to beat Wolves, so no points there. And Chelsea to beat Brighton 5-1. So you're on three points. I'm on one. And the other two lads are on four. So um, they're struggling, going to get relegated at this rate. <laughs> So the games we're predicting this week going to be Leeds and Fulham. Uh, I'm going to go with 1-0 to Leeds because I, I thought they definitely played well against Liverpool, but it, it's a completely different game playing Fulham. They're going to go into this game as favourites. They might feel some pressure, but ultimately I, I do think they're good enough. And as we've touched upon many times, Fulham are absolutely hopeless. So I'm going to go with 1-0 to Fulham. Well, there I am going to go 3-0 Leeds comprehensively uh, to put all the good work they're going to do during the week and uh, Liverpool uh, to rest. And just put Fulham to bed. Just back to the championship you go. Thanks for the entertainment. I'm going to say 2-0 Leeds. I think Fulham are going to kind of... Well, away from home, they're going to set up defensively anyway. I think Leeds are going to dominate. I'm going to have a lot of chances, but I don't think they're going to score much. So 2-0 so the next game on the previewing is United's first game of the season at home to Palace. Uh, I think the likes of our creative players are going to be absolutely crucial here because we're going to be playing against a very low block, a very stubborn defensive team in Palace. Uh, so the likes of Bruno Rashford can be quite a good playmaker at times. His passings come on tenfold. Uh, Pogba obviously as a sort of deep lying midfielder. Um, so they're going to be absolutely crucial. If they're not at it, I'd be a little bit worried. Um, we've had Basically, no preseason. Uh, so I think I'm going to have to predict United to be Palace 1-0, but I think it'll be close. Well, I am going for a 6-0 United blowout. So <laughs> watch the Palace game and uh, I would love them to maybe slide in. Them or West Ham ahead of Villa in the relegation zone because they're a miserable team. Roy Hodgson's a miserable man. And uh, yeah, United, uh, United did just Roy? run riot. Roy Hodgson's a good manager, I think. Oh, he's, he's a nice a fella miserable, as well. <laughs> miserable get, right? And uh, they're going to run Roy, uh, Roy at, uh, like they did against Borma last year. Right, any thoughts on that game, Ronan? Uh, I'm saying 4-1 United. I think I think they're just too good going forward for Palace's defence. I think Palace might pick Nick one or two, but other than that, 4-1 United. 
Yeah, so you're maybe it's me trying to be um, you know a little bit nervous ahead of the season opener for, for United, but I, I don't I don't think we're going to be at it. I hope we are, but yeah, one nil still. So next game, I can't imagine there's going to be any upsets here. It's Arsenal at home to West Ham. Uh, I actually didn't watch West Ham at home to Newcastle, but by all accounts, it was a pretty miserable performance. Uh, that's what I've heard anyway. Arsenal looked good against Fulham. Hard to know how much to read into it, but yeah, it's at home to West Ham. You'd be shocked if they didn't win. Uh, going to go at 2 0. I'm going to go with 2 1. They're similar points, but uh, I just think Moyes is going to demand an uptake from Rice and Sochek and the boys because they were quite unlucky. Hit the post a few times, but ultimately, you have to go for an Arsenal win. I'm also going for 2 0 Arsenal. Just be consistent. Jeez, don't give too much away about that match, Ron. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know. Yeah. Arsenal, Arsenal looked much better going forward. Uh, this year than the last year, I think. I don't know. Yeah, it's West Ham don't really offer much going forward. I mean, Felipe Anderson's done nothing. All air, it's not great. It's basically they were struggling last season under David Moyes. They've kept David Moyes. They haven't signed anyone, and they've sold Grady D in Ghana. So it's it's never really going to yeah, be there's, a combo. Yeah, there's looking. They're looking for a takeover bid there. West Ham potentially three hundred fifty million pounds American consortium coming in potentially. So that's one to look at for the next few days. But other than that. It's not looking good. It's hard to know how much to read into them takeovers. I feel like they're always rumoured, but we'll see. Honestly, yeah. Oh, Liverpool have had um, a load of rumoured ones recently, like yeah. the last few years. Same with United. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so next match, brilliant game. Again, Liverpool find themselves in this sort of headline match of the weekend because they travel to Chelsea. Uh, absolutely fascinating game. Two great teams with great players who play great football. So it's probably going to be nil-nil. But no, I'm going to predict 2-1 to Liverpool because uh, Chelsea really weren't at it against Brighton. They won 3-1, but they were quite lucky. Liverpool, not perfect against Leeds either, but just good enough to suggest that they're going to be able to beat Chelsea. I've gone for one all Liverpool. I've gone a bit conservative because I think Thiago's going to come into the side with the match fitness. Azpi, maybe as a centre-back, we'll see. And just shore them up a little bit. And it's at the bridge. Uh, so I just think they'll have enough to get a point out of Liverpool. Um, I'm going to say 2-1 Chelsea. I never really fancy Liverpool away to Chelsea. I know we won there last year, but even under Klopp, we haven't been brilliant going away to Chelsea. Lost there last year in the Cup. And we probably had a stronger side out than Chelsea. Um, I don't know what's a real reason for saying it's going to be 2-1. I just don't really fancy Liverpool playing away to Chelsea. Yeah, so you stick your neck out in the line. I can respect that. Uh, so then the final match we're going to predict is another very good game, actually. Uh, Wolves are at home to City. Uh, it's City's first game of the season, much like United. They were given a week off because of European exploits. Well, it wasn't much exploits to last in the quarterfinal. But um, yeah, it's kind of the same sort of thinking uh, as with my prediction with United, in the sense that I think they're going to be a little bit rusty. It, it would be unrealistic to expect them not to be. And it's not an ideal match. Rusty, first game of the season, maybe one or two players like Ake coming in. And you're away at Wolves, at Molyneux. It's really tough game, tough ground to go to. Wolves have a pretty good team. So I'm going to go with a narrow win to Wolves. I'm going to say 2-1. Very good. Yeah, I've gone for um, a 2 all. similar points to yourself. You look back to 3-2 last season, which was insane. And the season before that, when Wolves were nearly promoted, it was one all and it was the end of the world. But then people found out how good Wolves are against the top six. They have a plethora of options coming through, like um, 
Jota, Poddens, like all these boys can test in that like number 10 in around that position, the wings, so many options. So yeah, Wolves are getting something here, definitely, two all. Uh, I'm going for 3-0 City. I think Pep's going to get the hair transplant on and just going <laughs> to have the men playing well. No, I, I just, just think City are good at football. I thought that's controversial or not. Yes, it's bold <laughs> claim. <laughs> I think they're just going to win 3-0. I don't think Wolves are that good. Actually, they, bottled, really... they bottled top six last year. They really should be in Europa League. Like they, The squad they have, they should be doing better than they did last year, I think. I know the they had the job with Leicester. But Ronan, we didn't get your prediction for a title. Do you think the title is going to City? Because two of the boys have said the title is going to City this year. Uh, yes. I don't think Liverpool have signed enough. If we don't get Thiago, I don't think our midfield is strong enough. And we need another backup centre-half. Because getting rid of Lovren, I know Lovren was a war criminal. But he's not. He still needs two backup centre-halves. And at the moment, we've got... By the looks of it, it's going to be starting with Van Dijk and Gomez. And Matip's going to be the backup centre-half. And then other than that, all we've got is Cometio, Van der Berg and Keanu Hoover. Who, Cometio and Keanu Hoover look decent for their age, but they're not good enough to be in Premier League Champions squad. They, yeah, think. they don't fill you any confidence if they're going to be dropped no. in, if there's an injury to Van Dijk yeah. and it's going to be Joe Gomez to marshal that defence. I mean, Hoover's played a few games Liverpool and he actually does look decent. But again, I... I if both Gomez and Matt have got injured, I can't imagine him going up against the likes of Martial and Rashford. Like, I can't. He, he'd struggle big time, even playing with Van Dijk and even wish, I'd assume he'd be on the same side as Trent. Like, even after, I just don't think they will have the squad depth there at the minute. I know we brought in a new left-back, but it's just City of signed players and positions they needed. I think Ferran Torres is a good signing as backup. Their squad is still stronger than ours. I don't. I think Aguero is not going to be as good this year as was last year. I don't think Jesus is brilliant, but any goals that they drop off, I think Sterling's going to make up for it definitely. Yeah, Sterling's got, due a big season, and, and like like you said, the squad's unbelievable. To have. And they got the creativity of midfield like Mares and De Bruyne. So I just, I think it's going to be very close. I don't think City are going to run away with it by ten or fifteen points or anything, but I I do think they just have the squad depth this season. Everyone's predicting but, a low points total this year. Have to, has to be said. Everyone's a, a predicting a mid eighty. Has to be lower. Yeah, That's yeah it does have to be. Yeah, you know, because that would be indicative of a more quality league. And that's the interesting thing about this season because last year the deadline and the last couple of years the deadline was the day before uh, the season started. But there's still so long in the transfer window. There's two or three weeks, so teams could look completely different just with one or two additions. But We'll just have to see, you know, City are linked with Koulibaly, Liverpool are linked with Thiago, United with Sancho, etc. So it's really hard to know. I think Chelsea, they're bringing in a keeper. I'd be surprised if they do any other business, but they look pretty much done. But my top six prediction, it could be completely different in like three weeks. Yeah. 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 Honestly, that's the annoying. Everyone wants a prediction out of us, obviously, because we're talking about the league. But... It, you have to wait until that window closes, especially in this climate. But like, I think FSG would have blood on their hands if Liverpool don't win the title and they don't bring in anyone, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the one thing. It's like, right, if you bring in one or two faces and you don't win it, fair enough. But it, it's it, all it just, that what if. It just means over the last three transfer windows, Liverpool have spent less than 20 million if we don't bring in Thiago. Which, I mean, obviously it worked out that we ended up winning the Premier League last year. But we got knocked out of the Champions League in the last 16 and we got knocked out in the FA Cup. 
when we probably should have gone through. I, I just, especially in the Champions League, I think squad depth killed us last year from because for how well we played. I know yeah. we won the World Cup and we won the Super Cup, but like people, I know they, they are made, they are major <laughs> they, trophies, yeah. but they don't really care. Nobody cares about. I, no, I know it was the first time. It was the first time we won the World Cup, so we kind of cared about it then. That's nice to get the photos, obviously, but mm. you still, for how well we played, ninety nine points in a season. Yeah, we were, we were just very unfortunate to get that Allison injury though at a crucial time this season. Like, uh, yeah, but Adrian did deputize quite. Uh, that was quite well, but like that Champions League, you need that strong keeper, and that killed us. Yeah. Well, it's going to be a fascinating season. We're going to be here every step of the way, and in terms of the transfer window, we'll have more updates next week and the following week, and right until the window closed. Uh, so, Ronan, your first week on the podcast, you enjoy it? Yeah, I'm not adding anything to that. I just did, yeah. Yeah, enjoy it. Yeah, that's fair <laughs> enough. Okay, so we've predicted all the games. Now, all we have to do is watching this weekend. So hopefully they'll live up to the first round of games. And from my point of view, hopefully United win. Uh, But either way, we'll be here next week to talk about it. So thanks for tuning in and tune in next week. Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.